Welcome to Lesbians Who Write with Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson. Conversations about writing and lesbian fiction. Join us as we draw back the curtain on the writer's life. Welcome to episode 185 of Lesbians You Write. This week's topic is The Shadow Self. Joining me, Claire Lydon, is my co-host, the never-shadowy, always-shady, T.B. Markinson. Hello, T.B. How are you today? I'm not going to lie. I have a really bad sinus headache, and it is killing me. Mm. Absolutely killing me. We've been talking about this off air, and you have my full sympathy, uh, sinus headaches, if it's shadowy or not, are, are a bitch. I wish it was in the shadows. I wish I would that, just receive. That is true. That would be better. I just keep rubbing my forehead, hoping that like somehow that will be the magic cure that no one has thought of in human history. Like, what if we just rubbed it? Yeah, I think no one's thought of that. You should definitely go with that. Or maybe the magic cure is going to be recording a podcast. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. So anyways, what's going on over here with me? Um, I have some news. Lizzie is back. What, sorry, what is back? Lizzie. Lizzie. Lizzie is back. Lizzie is back. Toot fucking toot. Yes. Uh, first thing this morning, I uploaded uh, to my KDP dashboard. That is how you publish a book onto Amazon. I uploaded the 11th book in this series. It's a Lizzie novella, and it is all tied in with my uh, 10-year writing anniversary. I don't know if you know this or not or forgotten. Uh, back in 2013, the first book I published was a Lizzie novel. And so it has been 10 years of Lizzie. And so I didn't want to celebrate the anniversary in the novella. So I had her celebrate her 40th birthday because that's another big milestone in someone's life. And in true epic Lizzie fashion, the, 40, the, the looming 40th birthday um, puts her into a tailspin and, and she handles it in true Lizzie fashion. So... It, I really leaned into the zaniness on this one. I just had a lot of fun. It's um, 25,000 words, and it was just it was just hilarious for me to write. And I hope it's hilarious for the readers to read. So I had I just had a lot of fun with it. So, um, But it is part of my 10-year celebration. Part of that is I recovered all of the Lizzie books. I had Miranda McLeod, who has done cover design and such, do it uh, because... I know it's book 11 in the series, but there is a prequel. So there's actually 12 books in the Lizzie series, and I usually pay $175 per cover. That includes like the ebook, paperback, and audio versions. And so when you have to pay for 12 books at that price, it's over $2,000. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to spend that much. Because as you know, series after a while, um, the return in investment diminishes greatly. So I was like, that is a big investment for something I don't think I'll recoup. So Miranda was kind enough to volunteer. She did volunteer. I didn't ask her. She volunteered to make some covers and I promised her some nice lunches in return. So that seems like quite the deal. Oh, I've got to say that is quite the deal. I'm not sure she's going to be very uh, happy with you for revealing that deal on uh, on the podcast because then she'll have a queue of uh, sapphic fiction authors queuing at her door going, want to come for lunch, Miranda? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll have to ask her if she's... Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, I think since we are co-writers, 
I think I get a discount. I think you do. I think you do. But no, that's great. So you, you've recovered all the books. I have to say, I did see one in my travels around, you know, when you're flicking, uh, looking at the charts every now and again. And I thought, oh, but then um, I didn't go further. And I should say right now, it's only the ebooks that are being recovered. I haven't done the paperbacks yet. And I am dreading the ACX part. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> For those who don't know, for ACX, um, since those were all royalty shares, my producer, who is the narrator, has to, like, unlock it or something like that. And so, like, we have to, like, coordinate it more. And then getting anything changed on ACX is just a battle. I had to change, like, one word in a blurb on ACX, and it took me, like, four attempts before I finally emailed them and said, can you just change it? So ACX is never an easy beast to slay. (laughs) So I'm not looking forward to that one, and um, I just need a bit more time to get all the paperbacks up and ready and everything like that. But for the launch of the latest Lizzie novella, I at least wanted the ebook covers to be consistent with the new cover and everything like that. So it's a it's a long process, as you know, updating. 11 ebook files I did think of you because I remembered when you had to go in and update a bunch of them and then I think you uploaded the wrong file for the a book and I kept thinking don't do that pay attention pay attention so I just like did four mm-hmm. a day yeah. but still by the time you get to the fourth you're just like on autopilot and yeah. I was just I'm hoping I'm hoping I didn't fuck it up but who knows I'm sure someone will let me know it's really yeah it's really easy to do because you do think oh my god you know you got one job don't fuck it up but um yeah i think i'm more you tend to um chunk these things up don't you and do them over like a few days whereas i tend to just want to get it all done at once so and that's probably not good for i don't think it's just my brain i think it's anybody's brain that by the time you get to the seventh or eighth book um you're you're likely because I, I, what i tend to do i don't know if you what you tend to do is have two screens open so you're updating because you're copying and pasting all the series info into the other screen and then it's really easy to forget which screen you're in <laughs> and upload the wrong file so yeah i don't think i actually published it maybe i did for like five minutes i can't remember but um yeah easy done but well done you on getting part of the task done because it ain't ain't easy but you know what you just saying that you've done a novella uh for lizzie just made me think huh because i've been thinking i'd like to do a christmas story for the london series once i've written london nine of course but um i don't i wasn't thinking i was thinking i don't know if i want to do a whole book but i could do a novella nice way to like you know, um, just keep it kind of fresh and everything and give everyone uh, a glimpse into what's going on into their lives. And it's less stressful when you're like, okay, 25,000 words. Well, initially it was, I was, I was aiming for 20, but um, then I, I went over a bit and everything like that. So yeah, it's just, there are Lizzie fans who always want more Lizzie. And um, I can't dedicate as much time as I would like, even though I did get an email recently saying that like, I could just keep writing Lizzie forever and this person would just keep reading Lizzie. But it's just a way to say I truly, truly appreciate all of the fans um, and, and that the fact that it was the first book I launched 10 years ago and there's been 10 years of Lizzie. But I thought this was the best way to celebrate my 10-year anniversary, really, to, to go back to how it all started. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So that's what's going on on the Lizzie front in... Um, other writing news, I've made significant progress on my standalone novel, 
It's about a country music singer who wants control of her own life, but when you become super famous and then you hire a manager who wants to take you into even further stardom, that's not an easy task. So um, I'm enjoying that one. It's, it's a different, well, it's not a Lizzie for sure. Um, so it's a different world. I haven't really delved into the whole uh, music side in my writing, so that one's been fun to work on. In other news, in audiobook news, Flight Plan came out in audio. It's narrated by the wonderful Lori Prince. For uh, listeners who are having succession withdrawals since that show is over, Flight Plan might be able to help. It's about a media empire, and uh, there's a succession issue with the media empire. Now, I should say that there is actually a romance in this succession. I would not describe as a romance. Um, It is a brutal show to watch. It's extremely brutal. The the family dynamics are very hard. I wouldn't say it's a sure fit for succession fans, but um, if we, you know, you want to delve into the media empire a bit and have an actual romance, give it a go. And Lori did a fantastic job for this audiobook. And then in the iHeart Sapphic database news, last week we hit a milestone. Um, we launched the Bookfinder. We revamped the whole website, and we added a database, which we call the Bookfinder, and we launched that last October in 2022. I actually had to check. Does it seem like 2022 was so long ago? I, when I wrote down the date, I was like, no, that has to be like a, that has to be wrong. And I'm like, wait, it's only 2023. So when we, we launched it last October, and now last week we hit uh, more than 4,000 books in the database. Not only that, the Bookfinder, which is the database, has been searched more than 50,000 times, and the website has had over 1 million page views in less than a year. So, Sapphic Authors, if you're listening to this and you have not submitted your book to be in the Bookfinder, um, it's becoming a valuable tool. Um, readers are telling me that they come visit the Bookfinder every single day to find a new book. So, if your books aren't in there, you are missing out, and you should submit them. You should. Go submit your books. I, I don't have a lot of fun to report. I don't know if you noticed. I've been kind of busy. <laughs> also, um, it's raining yet again here in Massachusetts. We're expecting another inch. I'd go for a hike uh, a, a week or so ago with uh, Miranda. And even though I was dripping in bug spray, I came home with bug bites. And I was just like, oh, it's that time of year in Massachusetts where it's really buggy. It's really humid. And hiking... While fun also is like an endurance test, so I'm looking forward to fall. Yeah, and over here, well, over here it's quite um, it's quite sunny today. Um, we've had a lot of rain, but it's uh, it, we're going into a period of sunshine, which I'm hoping uh, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, um, the day before England face Australia in their World Cup semi final. The drama, da da da. But um, on Saturday, I'm going to a uh, Regent's Park Open Air Theatre um, to see La Cage Fall. Uh, which I'm very much looking forward to, but I'm hoping that the sunshine stays. Otherwise, if it rains, you just get wet. Yes, but Regent Park is, I love Regent Park. Well, I love all the parks, but uh, Regent Park, it's its a its a nice park. It's its big, isn't it? Mm, they're, all, they're all pretty big, all the Royal Parks. Well, Holland Park's a bit smaller, but Regent Park, I mean, it has like the big pond and then it does have the theatre. Oh, Holland Park, don't they do the Hol- opera in the summer? Yeah, but Holland Park isn't a royal park. That's why it's not so big. I don't remember that. Trust me, I'm, Brit- I'm British, you know. You, you, you get born with this. It's, it's like a chip in your brain. 
Well, so what are other royal parks in London? Then? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> um, I will. I, I will look it up while I tell you what I've been doing. So um, I have been um, doing well. I, I, I'm as I said last time. I've been watching a lot of World Cup, but I've been getting getting a bit of work done in between times. But honestly, I've enjoyed the World Cup so much. I'm really quite sad that it's uh, coming to an end. But um, end it must. Uh, Spain are through to their first final. The UK, uh, not the UK, England and Australia are playing tomorrow. The good news is that one of us will go through to the final. One of us in our household. My wife is Australian. I am English. Um, but uh, well, half English, half Irish. The now one of us won't be going through to the final. So good times, bad times, but at least we'll have somebody to root for in the final, which is on Sunday. So it'll all be decided by the time this comes out on Monday, who's going to win? I just can't pick it. I can't pick any of it. But yes, in between watching the football, I've also been um, doing some writing and editing. Um, and I have a plan in place now for both my books. So I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want to jinx it. But I've got things set up, um, I've got a deadline and I need to hit the start hitting them because I have really this year, ever since Hotshot came, um, happened, just like kind of faffed. I'm sure you're aware of this TB, but I've done, there's been a lot of faffing going on. Sometimes that just happens, right? Yeah, I mean, it's tough business and it's hard to keep going. It's hard to keep being creative and it's hard to keep uh, writing new stories and everything. So yeah. I mean, when did Hotshot come out, though? It wasn't that long ago. April. So, four months ago. See, I should have published another book by now. But, you know, on my schedule, actually, no. See, previously, and I think this is what we say all the time, right? Our schedules change. So, maybe, like, hmm, 2020, all the years leading up to 2020, I think 2021 as well, I did three books a year. I, I um, published three books every year. So, I think last year I did two, and this year I think it's going to be two as well. So... You know, that's not too bad. Um, I know a lot of people would say, my God, you're so prolific. Um, but, you know, when you've done three before, but I think sometimes, um, you know, you just have, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being too hard on myself, but I know that I need to set up my deadlines a bit better, but I've done it now. So that's good. And in between times, you know, uh, the World Cup's only come around every four years. So I've, I've loved watching every minute. And now the Premier League's back as well. So it's been football overload in our house. <laughs> I think we watched about, um, Four, four games, four or five games over the weekend, two of the women and then two two of the men. So, uh, But it's not as exciting when it's not women. Uh, as I, as you know, this year I gave up my Spurs men's season ticket, uh, bought a Spurs women's season ticket. I've got tickets to go and see Arsenal ladies with my wife as well. So we're splitting, we're splitting our affection across the capital. We're, we'll be going to see Charlton ladies as well. Um, so we draw the line at supporting Chelsea. You know, you've got to have some standards. It's great. It's been lovely, this uh, World Cup. And it has made me think, you know, I was reading as well Liz Rain's book set at the World Cup called Onside Play, which is really good. I'm really enjoying that. And it did make me think, oh, I, do you know what? I, I do kind of fancy writing another football book now, but not until these other two are done, okay? Promises. Can I, can I circle back to Chelsea? Is it just because of the rivalry that you want to support Chelsea? Yes, because they're a bunch of cunts, TB. Why is that? <laughs> I don't, I don't follow it. I so mean, why, there's why, yes, why it's just the it? it's just the rivalry. 
So is it kind of like the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees? Is that the is that the size of the rivalry? Um, it, I don't know the rival the size, but yeah, it's a bad rivalry. But most Spurs fans, when put on the spot, would say that they hate Arsenal more. I don't I don't particularly love Arsenal, but my wife's an Arsenal fan, and I appreciate that Arsenal play pretty football. They've got some nice players in the men and the women, and I quite like going to watch Arsenal women play because they're they they've been established for. 50 plus years they've got fantastic players a lot of lionesses they're great to watch whereas spurs have only been going for five years and we're not very good but you know we, we do we do the best we can okay i used to i used to live closer to um the chelsea stadium so i i followed a lot of that because um it was hard to avoid when you're walking through brompton cemetery and seeing all the fans going to the game yeah so it yeah. was kind of exciting as an american but I, I don't know the um, ins and outs no. of all the rivalries. But I'm sure, you know, yeah, if, if, you, if that's where you, you pitched up from America, then the, that you've got good reason to support Chelsea, and I would respect that. You know, similarly, my wife, when she came from Australia, lived very close to the Arsenal ground, and that's why she's an Arsenal fan. So, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, my God, how can you be married to an Arsenal fan? But, you know, pretty easily, uh, we just respect each other's football choices. I mean... You know, if I'd met and fallen in love with a Chelsea fan, I know, it would never have happened, TB. Never. Anyway, Royal Parks, by the way, if you're interested, there's more than I thought, actually. Um, so I thought St. James, Richmond, Regents, Kensington Gardens, Hyde Park, Greenwich Park, Green Park. But there's also Bushy Park and Brompton Cemetery is a Royal Park. Oh, I did it. I I knew I knew Brompton Cemetery is one of the seven magnificent cemeteries. Or or I'm I'm not getting that right, but um, I didn't know it was also a royal park. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. Neither did I, because it's a cemetery. <laughs> For other London history, tune in next week. Um, yes. yes, and the other thing I've been doing as well, which I said I'd report back on, and um, you know, maybe we'll do a little uh, episode on this at one point. But Facebook ads, so. I have been forging ahead with Facebook ads. Um, I've got um, three different ones running, and I am seeing um, an uptick in sales, but they do cost money. Yeah, I'm still sort of in the testing phase, I suppose they'd say now. So um, I'm putting money in, I'm getting more book sales, but attributing the book sales to your Facebook ads is difficult, even if you put the Facebook pixel on it. Now, obviously, I'm not going to go into this on here. You have to kind of know about the Facebook pixel and you know the tracking and Amazon affiliates um, tracking and all that sort of thing I don't think that every book that you sell via um, a Facebook ad will be attributed and affiliated so um, you just have to kind of gauge how much more your book sales are going up to from when you started the Facebook ads and then it's your best guess kind of thing so it, it's um it's very early days. Um, I'm seeing some uptick, but I'm also spending a lot of money. So is it worth it? I don't know yet. All right, but at least the sales are going up. So there's there's progress there being is. made in your, in your collecting data. I am, and you know, I'm prepared. I think the thing is with Facebook ads and with all advertising, actually, you're basically gambling. It's kind of like betting. And there is a little bit of excitement and thrill in it, but you have to be prepared to lose the money. So I can afford to lose a bit of money to just see what works and test things. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and so I'm very prepared. I didn't really expect to make any money um, in this first sort of bit. Like I'm sort of thinking the first month, I'll sort of see how it goes. So I'm not expecting to make money. So uh, if I've got that head on, to going into it then if I break even then that's a bonus so and um I haven't quite worked done the complete maths yet but my rough guesstimates is I'm about breaking even so so decent at the moment but we'll see as I 
ramp up because I'm not putting a load of money into it at the moment but I'll let you know uh, but also just going back to that um, you know you, I, you said that I uploaded the wrong book file which yes does ring a bell to me um, I actually because I'm doing adverts for three different books I put the wrong bloody URL because I had again it's exactly the same thing happened I had the Facebook ash dad Facebook ads dashboard open on two different screens uh, was uploading two different things and I put the wrong URL in and it took somebody messaging me on the ad like they commented on the Facebook ad <laughs> and said um, this doesn't go to the book and I was like what do you mean and then uh, I clicked on the ad cost myself the money for the click and then um, yeah it didn't it went to the wrong fucking book so thank you if you're listening the person the two people actually that told me that Claire this goes to the wrong fucking book uh, it just goes to show that um, you know these mistakes happen all the time and uh, you just correct it it's not the end of the world don't freak out if you make those mistakes I, I mean i was so nervous uploading those and doing four a day was a lot for me i just had a short window to get it done because i knew i needed to upload the next lizzie book so i would much prefer doing like one a day to limit the chances but um mm. yeah it's you just can't you can't be perfect 100 percent of the time no no you cannot uh and the other what other thing that's happened um i didn't know was going to happen because it's via a publisher is um my Italian, the Italian version of Change of Heart came out, and that was through a, a brand new publisher. So we'll see how that does. Oh, two, two on the uh, Italian front. Thanks. Is, is that your second or third book in Italy? Second. Yeah. So the first you did Indian, this one you went publisher. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, translations are expensive. They are. <laughs> very expensive yeah but it's it's kind of weird doing it via a publisher as well because you know they don't no one told me it was coming out a reader actually contacted me and said thank you for your second translation i'm like what wait they didn't let you know at all nope wow that's don't they want your help like announcing it you might think so yeah all my other publishers have always told me or you know like maybe if they didn't tell me like right on the day they they would have told like give me a heads up like we're gonna release this around this time no i didn't have any any heads up so yeah even now even after you know even now there's been no communication with you and the publisher uh no oh interesting interesting that's an interesting tactic <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was an interesting tactic that's what i thought but it's out and uh so we'll 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 see how it does anyway any comments Yes, we have a comment from uh, Jamie Moody who says, I appreciate you all covering this topic on your podcast. While I'm like TV and cheerful, all our fellow authors, it does sting when you're not on these recommendation lists or passed over for awards. I doubt that any of my low angst, heartwarming, sapphic romances will ever make one of these lists. However, I do know there is a place for my books in the grand scheme of things because the readers let me know. I get such joy writing these stories. And through reviews, emails, and comments on social media, my readers do too. That's what really matters. I've come to understand the disappointment is part of it, but the delight of a reader who liked my book and takes the time to review or simply connect, contact me outweighs those disappointments. There's a place for sapphic literature in mainstream society, and we all have to keep on writing. Love the podcast and, and you all. And so uh, thanks, Jamie. We, we love you as well, and we appreciate your support. And also... I think you you zero in on what's more important. If the readers are enjoying your books, that's that that should be a, a reward enough to keep you going as a writer, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think we both said that, didn't we, on the episode? Uh, it's actually the readers who who will vote with their buy now buttons because <laughs> they want to buy you again because they love what you do and they love the way you make them feel uh, via your stories. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I everyone completely understands the sting of disappointment if you're not never included or um, not on a certain list or other. But, um, yeah, it's... They are decided by a small number of people. That's what you just have to remember. Yes. Yes. So that that is all for comments and bias of coffee on this end. Do you have any comments on your end? Uh, no. I was trying to think. Did I have any comments? I might have done. No, I don't think so, though. Just, you know, listeners, Claire appreciates everything you send her. <laughs> and she reads it word for word. It remembers. <laughs> word for word. And I remember everything. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know how I'm still here, but I am. You know, menopause is real, everyone. Right, uh, TV, you are going to talk about this topic, and I am going to nod in a wise way. What if it's not a wise way? What if it's a confused way? Just, I guess either way works, you right? You know, just pretend. Pretend. Look okay. at me and go, God, Claire's really nodding wisely. All right, so um, the, today's topic is the shadow self, and um, I came up with this topic because I'm a fan of the Creative Pen podcast by Joanna Penn, and Joanna has been discussing a book she's working on about the shadow self. So just in case you're not aware of what the shadow self is, is that part of us that contains our rejected, unacceptable feelings, but it can also contain our hidden gifts as well, but we're kind of afraid to show it. Um, what does that mean? Like, what if you have a hidden gift for writing really, truly fantastic erotic scenes, but you've been told that sex is bad, and so you don't write those scenes because of the guilt you feel? So we're going to delve into this topic on two fronts, um, because there's two shadow selves. There's the shadow self of your characters that you probably should delve into for character development, but also there's the shadow self as you, the writer, and what possibly can be holding you back from going deeper into your stories. So Ooh. does that make sense? It does make sense. And I am, um, you've got me on the edge of my seat. I'm interested. That's good to know. That's good to know. Hopefully everyone else is still with us. So all of us have these thoughts and feelings and that we don't let others see. I mean, we're all human. I'm not talking about things that you read in horror novels or erotic novels. Like we all have things that have impacted us as writers. They could be from our upbringing. They could bring from our culture, from the things we've seen on television and stuff like that. We're all formed in our own unique way and we all have different things we're battling inside ourselves. So, um, like I'll give an example, like, um, Joanna was explaining on her podcast that she was taught very young that, uh, being lazy is considered bad by her family and culture. And she's a workaholic because of this belief, because she thinks that being lazy is bad. And when she was talking about this, I was just like, she's talking about me. She's talking about me, right? She's definitely talking about me. Because um, I also grew up with this thing where, like, oh, you always had to be busy. You always had to be accomplishing things. You always had to be perfect. Uh, perfect. That was, a, that was a word that was tossed around a lot when I was growing up. And it did a number on me. It absolutely did a number on me. Much like Joanna, I also am an extreme workaholic, and I feel lazy when I'm not working, so much so that when I'm trying to relax, I cannot turn off my work thoughts, and I cannot stop thinking, I should be working, I should be working, I should be working. It is very hard for me 
to take time away from the office. <laughs> it is very hard for me to relax and enjoy my time. So those are the things that can be in your writer shadow, but also your character shadow. How do you incorporate a shadow self into a romance? Because, you know, romances, we kind of focus on, well, it depends. I mean, there's lighthearted romances, there's angsty romances, there's dark romances. But um, I don't write uh, dark romances, but I do kind of have some angsty romances. So there's still the warm, fuzzy feelings, but there's also some angst. And one of those characters that I've truly leaned into, the shadow self, is Lizzie. Um, the series really delves into Lizzie's past and how it's impacted her. She was a major disappointment to her mother. This feeling of being a disappointment has pushed so far into Lizzie's shadow that she can't even recognize it herself. She doesn't understand why she makes half the decisions she has made. Um, and she has to push herself to succeed. She pushes everyone away and because she's ultimately afraid that no matter how perfect she is, she's going to disappoint them greatly in the end because... That's what she was to her mother. So this whole series, the Lizzie series, I mean, it's basically her dealing with this over and over and over because it's something, even when you start to see it and start to recognize it, doesn't mean you magically put a Band-Aid on it and made it better. Like, the boo-boo doesn't just disappear. Like, you have to constantly deal with it. So um, I also had some issues on this end. Um, not as severe as Lizzie. <laughs> I mean, I one of the things about writing a story as I think we tell uh, listeners all the time is you put your character up in the tree and you just keep throwing rocks at them um, so I obviously uh, exaggerated Lizzie's wounds for the pleasure of the readers not for Lizzie but for the pleasure of the readers but I was able to like dive into this because I had similar wounds myself and so I think that's one of the reasons the readers keep coming back to Lizzie is because I've been able to uncover her shadow self and I have drawn them in and I think that's what readers want they want characters that show true character growth and character development and everything like this and so diving into your sh the shadow self of your characters enriches your stories and I know it can be hard to try and figure out what exactly is the shadow self of the character but I think it is a crucial um, ingredient to write a successful story not just romance but for any successful story so w with Lizzie um, and you said that you had to you were trying to uncover her shadow self and it had echoes of your own shadow self just exaggerated what, did you do some work in your real life to impact uncovering Lizzie's shadow self because obviously if you haven't well what I think my question is did you do some work that helped that but also do you have to have experienced the shadow self and then and then give it to your character or, or can you skip the first bit and and just make it up oh absolutely you could definitely make it up I mean like uh I'm, I'm assuming horror authors they uh probably make up a lot of the shadow selves of their characters but um I think since Lizzie was my first book, you, 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 you tend to write more what you know, even if you don't know what you're writing at the time. Um, I didn't know I was exposing Lizzie's shadow self until uh, very recently, honestly. But um, yeah, I don't think you actually have to experience 
what your character has gone through because we've written um, more than 20, 30 books and you can't just keep writing the same story. I mean, I know I continue with the Lizzie experience, but it does mm-hmm. evolve. No, you don't You don't have to go through, you don't have to just share your own shadow self in your characters. You can do, uh, you can dive deep into your own character and figure out what their own shadow self is. And part of that is just doing research for like uh, things that they might be dealing with. If it's, um, well, I'm trying to think of something like, say they've been raised thinking that sex is extremely bad and you should never have sex unless you're married and stuff like that. Um, you would, you would have to um, dive into people's stories that have had this uh, kind of trauma thinking that sex is really dirty and stuff like that. Mm. So it does involve research, Mm. obviously, I think, but we all do research for characters and stories anyway. Yeah. So yeah, but if you go on, sorry, no, go ahead. Sorry, Gray, Gray just jumped up and startled me, so I've lost my train of thought, oh. so go ahead. <laughs> so I was thinking, yeah, you could research, uh, if you if you had a character with a certain wound from their past, you could research that uh, via the internet or by talking to somebody who you know it's, it's happened to, right, or something like that, however you normally do your own research. I, it just occurred to me as well that Shadow Self, um, do you think that's like a language change, you know what I mean? It's like uh, now you don't... Nobody, nobody says anymore. Have a good time when you go away for holiday. They say go make some great memories. You know what I mean? It's like it's kind of a change of language, and I wonder if the shadow self is just a new way of sort of saying dealing with your past for for yourself, but also dealing with your past for your characters. Is that is that is that right, or have I got that wrong? I don't. I'm not sure where. I'm not sure where exactly Joanna Penn got it from. I know she uh, quotes Carl Jung, who you know, has been doing psychology or so I don't know how far back it goes. I don't know if she just coined this term or has picked up on it from studying psychology and such. And she's just bringing it to awareness of writers. I'm not exactly sure she's writing a book on it and I'm sure I'll read it when it releases. So I will be able to get back to you on that okay, one. Okay. I'll have to do some research. Yes. <laughs> no, actually now you say, um, sort of psychology, it's, it probably is some sort of old psychology term, right? It could be Jungian. Who knows? Yes. Yes. It sounds very Jungian. It does, sure. doesn't it? And I, it, <laughs> make, it makes me sound clever and smart saying the word Jungian. In a sentence. There you go. Yeah. There you go. See, you are being wise. You're being, <laughs> oh, brilliant. You're, you're fulfilling your promise. You are being wise. So, but also this can, so that's how I've dealt with it on the Lizzie front, but also on the personal front, like writing the Lizzie stories, I did realize some stuff about myself. And yes, I have made some changes in my life because of this. Um, I'm not saying you should write your stories for uh, therapy. <laughs> I just didn't know I was doing this with Lizzie. And then when I started seeing some things and I was like, it's really familiar. And so I just started um, dealing with stuff on my own in the background and everything. And I think one of the things that's really done is free me just to be more myself. I used to, since um, everything had to be perfect, I always had to be perfect. I never could make mistakes, blah, 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 blah. Um, I've started leaning into the fact that I make mistakes a lot. I've just started seeing the humor in those mistakes and I've started sharing it like with my newsletter readers like I will share like a funny story and everything like that and be like and I'm able to laugh at myself more and I'm and through that I've been able to accept myself more I that's how I deal with things is through humor 
Um, that's another thing about the Lizzie series is I, I lean hard into the humorous sides of Lizzie's antics because um, I prefer laughing than crying. So that's just probably something else that's in my shadow self where I was probably, I wasn't allowed to cry as a child. Um, there was no crying in childhood. Right. <laughs> no crying. Right. Okay. So um, I, I've just learned to deal with things through humor and everything like that. So you have to figure out when you're writing, are there certain things you are not going deeper into in your story because uh, you've been told it's wrong or it's bad or you shouldn't have these feelings. And so it's really a lot of, you have to do a lot of work, um, not only to get in touch with your character shadow self, but your own shadow self. And it, it can take time to figure out. And, um, but I think it enhances your stories greatly and it helps hook the reader into really, really cheering for your, uh, your characters. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just striking me as you're, you're saying all that, which makes total sense. Um, it, it just sort of saying go deeper, um, in character development and in your, in your writing, uh, but also to deal with, real real problems that people will connect with um and it reminds me i've got up on my uh blackboard above my desk um i've got a, a note stuck to it that i heard an interview with mari mcfarlane who is one of my favorite straight rom-com authors she's fantastic and her three tips for writing were confront real problems write what shocks you and remember to be funny so um it's basically what you just said, isn't it? In in writing Lizzie, you know, you're you're just dis you're discussing real problems. Some of them might shock you. Well, like, as you said, like when you read it back, you're like, oh shit. Uh, and also remember to be funny. So because I think that's another thing. Um, one one note I wrote down with this. See, I did write a couple of notes. TB, you impressed? Um, I was thinking that if you're going for the shadow self, you're probably dealing with sort of slightly darker topics, which is tricky to do in romantic fiction. But I do think it adds depth and it adds authenticity and realness to the story because everybody has those. But then you've got to remember to balance the stories out uh, with. So if you go, if you really do a deep dive into somebody's deep dive, God, that's, that sounds like a really corporate boardroom speak, isn't it? Um, but if you do dive deep into somebody's backstory and their wound and what they need to heal through through their journey, through the book, then you're going to have to try and balance it out with some humor and a, a, you know a funny side character who can bring a little bit of light to where your romantic plot might go a bit darker uh, but I think do you know I remember this from when I was writing One Golden Summer with you and you're very good at this uh, you bring more you go deeper you went way deeper than me in first draft and you your initial ones like we're really confronting real problems whereas I'm a lot more fluffy and light and I might add things in towards the end, but um, I probably don't go as deep on the darker stuff as you do. Um, and I think that's where our writing styles maybe sort of um, don't don't match up, but do complement each other, I suppose, as well. Um, and so, and I think that that's one thing I need to get better at is going deeper and do and dealing with sort of real, more real topics, not more, not more real, but darker topics. I mean, I think I did it in like Change of Heart. Uh, which dealt with bereavement and 
somebody falling in love with the woman who's got their twin sister's heart through a transplant. I mean, that's a that's a real topic, right? That's deep. I think that the books that deal with these real with it doesn't have to be a shocking thing like that, but if if you just go deep on somebody's past trauma and then how they're going to get over it, people will connect. It's all about connection, isn't it, really? And that's what you're striving for in books. Yes, you you want the reader to connect to the character and what you I think is extremely important to remember is that most human beings, we are broken in some way. There is no way you can live life without having any type of wound. I mean, it can be something that is something simple, like you've been told all your life to never say the F word or something like that, and you just you just don't in until you finally do on the page and then the, the reader's cheering for it, or it could be even darker. Um, it, and it doesn't have to be super dark. It just has to be something that that character they don't realize that this component is holding them back from living their true selves to living their life to the fullest that they can. And then they have to realize that and then they have to overcome it. So it doesn't have to be super dark. You don't have to write like a super dark, dark, dark romance to achieve this, but it's, you just want to show the reader, the character, the good, the bad and the ugly and get them to love them no matter what, because as I said, we're all broken, but we're all lovable. Well, most of us. There's some of them who are some of us, like who are just truly not lovable. But those are like the really dark characters in history. We don't need to delve into on a podcast about romance. But yeah, so it's just something you do to help round out your story and to round out your character development and to make your reader truly to stand up and cheer once this character realizes where they've gone wrong and how they want to fix it and how they want to love, let love into their heart. I remember doing a course, uh, one of Dean Wesley Smith's courses, and he was just saying at the beginning that uh, when you when your reader opens a book, um, it's like a you're you're taking them on a journey, and you're in a you're in a boat and you're on a lake, and what you want to do is kind of drag them to the bottom of the lake because that's when they get immersed in the story. And don't worry, you're not going to die. No one's drowning. Um, it's a it's a magical lake. Um, but uh, you, you have to try and drag them down to the bottom. If you don't include the depth and the and the character detail and the journey, then you're sort of still bobbing. It's quite shallow. You're quite shallow. You're, you're bobbing around the surface. So you've got to try and drag them down. And I think going deeper on things, and also I think what you were saying in, in the beginning as well, is like try and uncover yourself. Um, as well, if 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 you 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 yourself can get vulnerable and lay yourself open, uh, not necessarily on the pe- on the page, but if you yourself can do that in real life, then you as a writer are probably more likely to do it for your characters. I think that's probably right. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to realize <laughs> the complexity of emotions and the complexity of wounds. Otherwise, you are just going to bobble on the surface and never really show the reader exactly why this character ticks the way they do it's all about character development and it's all about going deep what did what did the author what are the three points it was confront real problems write what shocks you and remember to be funny yes what shocks you is probably the the shadow self really yeah it's funny how every author has a different term for it but we're all trying to strive for the same thing yes (laughs) 
if I rang Mari now and I do I won't because I don't know her and it'd be weird she, she'd probably think I was a stalker but if I rang her and said um, have you heard of the shadow self she'd be like no that's what I mean I think it just suddenly struck me because I've heard I listened to Joanna Penn's podcast um, I didn't hear the one on the shadow self but it just suddenly struck me that it's just another way of saying things you know like we always say language is constantly changing and you just get new ways of saying things you know it's like when we first started it was lesbian romance, lesbian fiction. Now it's uh, sapphic romance, sapphic fiction, or lesbian romance, lesbian uh, fiction. So, you know, language is always changing wherever you go in any shape or form. Um, and I think Shadow Self is just another, a renaming of something that's always been there. Masumito, yeah. But again, I will I will read the book that she is coming out with. I, I don't know when she's coming out with it. I know she's working on it, but um, it'll be interesting. I think, is she doing Kickstarter for that one? She might be doing a Kickstarter. I think I'm not sure. I think I did hear that. Yeah, I listened to a bit of this week's, but it was on children's publishing this week, so I didn't really listen to the interview. Although I have listened to a children's publishing one before, and I did like this woman's accent. She was from Texas, I think, and uh, you know, American accents are just like exotic to us. <laughs> I know, I know, because when I moved over there, everyone kept commenting on my American accent, and I'm from the part of the country where like all of us are like we don't have accents. We're just but um, it was kind of nice to be exotic for a while when I lived over there because over here I don't have a Boston or a New York or a Southern, so I'm just kind of Midwest. And I always listen to interviews with different writers no matter what what their specialty is, if it's children's literature, nonfiction, because there's one consistent in writing and that writing is hard and a lot of authors offer a little tip or they share like a struggle they've had that will help me see something in its own light in my writing career because not every problem is the same. But it always sheds light. So I enjoy just listening to um, anyone who uh, writes or even creatives. Like um, I listen to people who paint, who act and everything like that because being a creative, you really have to trust the process and sometimes you forget to trust the process. And so... That someone will say something and it will that be that light bulb moment yes no definitely I did I remember listening to a children's author on Joanna Penn's podcast and um it just reminded me as well because uh her book is called The Secret Lake hey bringing lakes in right a lot here but um I met her at a Kindle Storyteller Awards as well and I was chatting with her and she sold like at like hundreds of thousands of copies of this one book like she's got about eight or nine ten books but this one book has taken off it's been translated into 19 different languages and she's sold like hundreds of thousands of copies of it so you know that you learn things from that right because that's amazing because if you think children's books are in print i mean and she sold hundreds of thousands of copies wow she yeah wow it's even harder children's uh, literature to go that far in as an indie mm, yeah so you can always learn things from Joanna Penn's podcast anyway we'll stop talking about her podcast um, we're going to wrap this one up um, do get in contact and let us know what you think of this episode and any of the other episodes and if you've got a question please do send them in we will be doing an ask us anything a, a episode uh, in the next sort of uh, two or three episodes so do send them in we'd love to answer your questions uh, get in touch comment on the website www.lesbianswhowrite.com email us lesbianswhowrite at gmail.com facebook us uh, twitter us twitter us at leswhowrite uh, and instagram me at clairefic and do join us um, next time round when we'll be talking about well maybe the women's world cup and what we can learn from it as writers okay yeah. that, that is it all you then 
Probably you, I mean, you've been like immersing yourself into the Women's World Cup lake. Yeah. I'm just going to cram the lake in there one more time. <laughs> okay. We're going to get into a lake of footballers, and they're all going to be naked. Join us then. <laughs> well, that's, that's even more enticing. Yeah. to start recording that one now. <laughs> It's at Hampstead Pond at uh, uh, 8 o'clock next Wednesday, everyone, all right? No, not really. Um, but, yes, uh, we will be... I think that's going to be the topic because I think that there are lessons to be learnt because um, it's been incredible and I'm sure I can extrapolate something that will be frothy, pithy. You see, you've gone the deep one, TB, talking about the shadow self, and um, I've gone the frothy, pithy. It's what you're striving for. You you need deep and humour. yes. Exactly. God, we're a dream team. Right, um, do join us next time when we'll be back with more depth and humour, all of it. Until then, do take care. Keep writing. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to Lesbians Who Write. Follow us on Twitter at Les Who Write or show us some love on our website by leaving us a comment or buying us a coffee. And sign up to our newsletter while you're there to never miss another episode. Head over to lesbianswhowrite.com. Also, if you could take a moment to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, it would help more listeners to discover us. Thanks so much and see you next time.